0: test 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 good 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 (laughs) morning good to see everybody everybody good all right how about them chiefs anybody excited about that on a okay well that's fine i know i need to stop anybody doing the comparisons in your mind at all keeping track of the stats no a little bit yeah what I'm talking about is Brady and Mahomes, okay? So he's on his heels, we'll see. <laughs> now it's Jesus. All right, so <clears throat> so what we uh, have today is we have an opportunity to finish out our series, which is the Miracle Series. The Miracle Series, and um, we have been doing a series over the past several weeks, um, along with our Greater Every Nation uh, family of churches, and we've all been preaching this series, Miracles, Let Him Be Known. Miracles Let Him Be Known, where we're believing God to perform miracles in our time, um, to not only show His strength, but also prepare ways for the salvation and the gospel of God to advance wherever we find ourselves. And so today we're going to uh, finish with the Uh, seventh of the miracles of Jesus that were represented in the Gospel of John. And um, we are going to do that by looking at probably the most famous of the miracles, uh, talking about the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. Now, even if you did not uh, grow up in church like I did not grow up in church, Um, I heard about Lazarus because it became part of the cultural vernacular, right? Um, It's sort of like anything that was dead uh, that needed life again. Uh, It was referenced by this man, Lazarus, and his encounter with Jesus, right? And so we know that what we're talking about is Jesus having the ability not only to raise dead things to life, but Jesus himself being the resurrection and the life. And then ultimately Jesus is going to um, bring to himself all who've been waiting for him and glorify um, his Father um, through his not only death on the cross for our sins, um, but his burial and resurrection from the dead that we might enjoy him forever. And so our focus is ultimately going to be the, that the glory of God will be fully displayed when he raises from the dead all who have trusted in Jesus. And this great hope comforts the souls of all who wait on God to fulfill his promises. That's what it's ultimately all about if we're going to break it down, right? That ultimately one day all the trouble in this world will come to an end because Jesus is coming again. And Jesus is going to restore all things. Yes, he's going to judge those who've been in rebellion to him and uh, judge the wicked, you know what I mean? But he will restore all things, his creation, as we know it. He will restore broken lives. He will restore broken bodies. He will restore broken relationships. And this is part of the good news of the gospel, right? And it's not just for some people, but it's for everyone who would believe. Everyone who would believe. And so it doesn't matter where you find yourself today, whether you've been near or far from Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did to deal with fallen humanity's sin, there is hope for you today. There is resurrection life for you today if you come to the one who has resurrection life in himself. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read the whole account. I think it's better than, um, better than me preaching anyway, but it's just hearing the word of God itself. Just hearing the word of God itself. We're going to read the whole account so that you can really ingest it, really digest it, and then we can make some comments on it. But it's the story of Lazarus today, and it's in John chapter 11. God is able to bring dead things to life. And I don't know about you, but there have been various areas in my life, both prior to being a Christian, I just needed to live. I was a dead man walking, and I needed to be brought to life by the gospel of God. When I became a Christian, there were still things that were being worked out, right? And there were dead things there were dead relationships that I needed got to touch and breathe upon so that they could also live, right? And so regardless of where you find yourself, this is applicable to us today. So let's read together. It says in verse 1 of chapter 11, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus Was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So again, a little context here: Jesus had prior relationship with this family. He had good relationship with this family. And he said that this person, Lazarus, who he loved, was ill. His sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Jesus, please come and help. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the Ill, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And that's always hard to hear, right? That a challenge, a trial in our life, it's for the glory of God that God might be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha and her, sister, um, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, even though he had the ability to immediately heal him, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. You need to make note of that. Then after this, he said to the, his, the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world by the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So he stayed away and then ultimately saying, He died. I could have done something about it, but he died. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. <laughs> Anybody like the disciples? Just missing it a little bit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Me too. Okay. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant talking, <clears throat> taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So, Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. I love the zeal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So, he stayed away too while he was sick, gets there, and he's already dead four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, remember this is one who had relationship with him, she went and met him. But Mary, and Mary, if you remember the series that we were doing before this, was part of the Good News According to Luke series, Luke chapter 10, She was the one who was constantly at Jesus' feet, listening to what he said, right? When Martha, this Martha, this sister, was so concerned and busy and distracted by all the preparations that needed to be made, right? And remember, she was pointing at her sister, tell my sister to come and help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. This Mary has chosen what's better and it won't be taken from her. These are the people he's talking about here. So Martha, Martha went to him while Mary stayed behind. A little bit hurt. A little bit disappointed. Trying to understand. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And in that good news that regardless of what situation we see, Jesus has another word for us. He says, regardless of what you see, if you trust in me, your brother will rise again. And he said this. He said, <clears throat> he said rather, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister, Mary, saying in private, Mary, the teacher's here and he's calling for you. unable in your own strength to go to the one you love and who loves you, this Jesus, but he's still calling for you. He's still coming to get you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Would not have died. Anniversary of my wife's sister's passing, who was a believer, and she was walking with the Lord, her best friend, and um, it has been something that has had to be navigated through. Right? Navigated through. When Jesus saw her weeping, does Jesus condemn our weeping? Does Jesus look down on our pain? No. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And not just Mary or Martha, but Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus entered into their pain. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept, and the Jews said, see how he loved him. His hands and feet bound with linen and strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. And so we've got three groups of people here, three responses, and we understand through this how Jesus meets us in each one. Let's talk about these three responses. Let's talk about these three responses and what we're to do with it. First of all, we need to understand this that Jesus is not only the Son of God who delivers us by his resurrection power, but is also the leader of a new resurrection community who partners with him in life restoration. That is the truth. That is the truth. And what we want to understand is that we can grow in our understanding and application of ministering the resurrection life of God to others as we understand Jesus as the resurrection and the life. And in this, uh, the last of the, con- last of the seven signs of the book of John, Jesus engages three groups of people through the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Number one, the disciples. Number two, the sisters, meaning Martha and Mary. And then number three, the Jews, meaning Jesus challenges each one to believe that he is the son of God despite confusion, disillusionment, and most importantly, the reality of sin and death. So let's start by talking about who we are who we are and where we find ourselves in this um, particular passage. Number one, the disciples. The disciples, when they heard about Lazarus dying or Lazarus being sick and leading to his death, ultimately they were scared to go back into Judea. They were scared to go back into Judea because ultimately there was a threat on Jesus' life. There was a threat on Jesus' life and they were like, wait a minute, Jesus, I understand that you want to intervene here. I understand that you want to show yourself strong. I understand that you want to help, but this is going to cost you something. This is going to cost you something. And they're fearful about returning to Judea with Jesus and confused about Jesus delaying his visit to Lazarus despite his condition only exacerbated the situation even more only exacerbated the situation even more he said hey listen i want to go but i'm telling you i'm telling you jesus jesus this is confusing if you go now you can help him you can prevent this pain you can prevent this suffering you can prevent this death but jesus why are you waiting and if you've ever been walking with jesus it's not if but when you come to a point in your walk with him that the things that he's choosing to do can be a bit confusing and that's life life in this fallen world is it not is it not it is the avoidance of pain that drives people today it is the avoidance of pain that drives people today and it is why we go from pleasure to pleasure it is why we go even from sin activity to sin activity right because oftentimes we're looking for some form of escape from the pain that we experience in this world. It is why people literally binge themselves into numbness. Is that not right? You go to work, you wake up, you go back on YouTube, and it's sort of like, until I fall asleep, I'm gonna have somebody talk at me, and I'm just gonna escape the world that I live in. It is why people self-medicate, not just with alcohol and prescription drugs, but illicit drugs, right? People are trying to escape the pain and it's all the while because they don't understand why life is ultimately as it is. And the tra- challenge is even when you hit a high, right? Even when you hit a high, whether it be through an experience or some sort of relationship or other, ultimately life in the fallen world brings you down again. Is that not the truth? You can go from a high. How many people have been on vacation before, live for not just the weekend but vacation, come on, tell me now, Chicago people, you know, (laughs) live for vacation. And you're like, if I could just get these two weeks a year, then ultimately this will set the pace for the rest of my year. And then ultimately, once those two weeks are over, not only are you more tired than when you started, but then ultimately you crash again. Is that not true? And you're like, why is life like this? Why am I once again faced with a disappointment again? And this is what the disciples were ultimately facing in this um, situation. And much like the disciples, the question is, have you ever experienced fear or confusion while following Jesus? Have you ever experienced fear or confusion while following Jesus? Well, if you have, you are actually in good company. That Jesus isn't always trying to lead you on the path that makes sense to you. He's leading you on the path that ultimately is for his glory and your good. That ultimately is going to show and prove without a shadow of a doubt that he is the one who gives dead things life. And that though this fallen world and all the problems that exist in it are a result of being separated from God and the sin that exists in the world because of our separation from him, ultimately, he says, if you would repent and believe the good news, I will cause dead things in your life to live. Whether now or at the resurrection, all who believe will be allowed to live again. And Jesus reveals his purpose to the disciples by saying, I am glad that I was not here. I'm glad that I was not here in the moment that Lazarus died. He said that scripturally. I'm glad that I was not here in the moment so that when I show up, you might believe. God allows us to see a distinction in this life between what life looks like with him And what life looks like without him. God allows us to see that. Because whenever you are a young person, whenever you're a child, you can be told over and over and over again don't touch that stove. You can be told over and over again don't put that wire hanger into the socket. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Come on now. Some of you wonder where I lost my hair. No, just kidding. <coughs> <coughs> kidding. You'd be told over and over again, but it's not until you see and experience the difference do you really learn. Proverbs says a servant can't be trained or instructed by mere words. And God in the garden put them there and said, I'm giving you the entire garden to eat from. You can eat from any of the trees in the garden, but don't touch one of them the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you touch that tree, if you take moral autonomy into your own hands, if you take your own decision-making, how life should be lived, what's good for you, and what's not into your own hands, he said, surely you're gonna die. Trust me, trust me, God said. And what did Adam and Eve do? Our great ancestors. They did exactly what God said not to do, and God allowed them to experience life without him. All the nakedness, all of the shame, all of the hiding, all of trying to cover up their own fallenness, unable to piece their broken lives back together until God himself comes looking for them again and says, Adam, where are you? And he wasn't asking Adam, where are you? Because he didn't know, didn't know how to find him. He said, Adam, where are you? Because I need you to admit for yourself where you've come, how far you've fallen and what you've become. And even in your fallenness, I love you. Even in your brokenness, I love you. And I'm coming looking for you. And when I call you out of that place of shame, out of that place of sin, out of that place of trying to do for yourself, You're going to follow me, and sometimes you're, it's not going to make sense, but I'm telling you, it's better for you. And I'm telling you, what I'm leading you into is the resurrection and the life, where you're not just going to be the victim of your own choices or those that have been made and affected you, but ultimately you're going to see that I'm able to help dead things live. My question for you is, what's died in your life? What's died in your life as a result of sin? What relationship has died in your life because of not someone else's sin, but your own? How's your mental state? How's your emotional state? See, some of those things we're just dealing with because they've been forced upon us other things we're we're dealing with because we ourselves have chosen things that are now affecting us either way either way jesus is the resurrection and the life whether you are a victim of someone else's sin and you've been dealing with it all your life saying why was this allowed why was this done to me Where was Jesus when I was dealing with this? Or you knew exactly what you were doing and now we're just dealing with the consequences of your choices. Either way, Jesus says, you see what life looks like without me, but I'm able to cause dead things to live. The sisters had to learn this. It wasn't just the disciples as a whole, but the sisters. And Martha and Mary, who I said already walked with Jesus, were disappointed that Jesus was not there to prevent, prevent, rather, Lazarus' death. And this is the hard part, especially when you've chosen to believe and chosen to do what's right. Jesus, I'm with you. Jesus I'm, I'm, I'm team Jesus, right? Team Jesus. Not team Satan, not team world. Team Jesus. So Jesus, when I need you, I expect when I need your help, you're going to show up. When I think you need to show. Anybody ever feel that internally and contractually? We're contractual people, Right? God, you do for me and I'll have, be happy to serve you. If you show up according to the way that I think you should show, oh, you got my allegiance, Jesus. But what happens when Jesus says, my timing is not your timing. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As in the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So are my ways higher than your ways. And I've got better for you if you trust me. And in deep grief and mourning over a hopeless situation, but with, still with some hope and reverence for Jesus. Remember Martha in verse 22 says, you know, listen, I, I don't know why you didn't show up, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Anybody ever been there before? It's like, Jesus, I okay. <laughs> I don't understand. And c- can I say that? That is okay. If you don't understand, have anybody ever been in a place where you don't understand before, that is okay. You don't have to understand to walk with God all the time. You know what Psalm 131 says? He says, like a wean child with its mother. Like a weaned child with its mother. I don't, I don't consider myself uh, with matters too great or wonderful for me to know. But like a wean child with its mother, so I've stilled and quieted my soul with you, oh God. I don't have to always know the whole plan to, or understand to follow you faithfully. And that's part of what Martha was saying. Don't let your pride in being so intent on controlling the outcome of your life prevent you from actually walking with God during difficult times. We are by nature those who want to control everything. Anybody there? You control what you eat, you control what you drink, you control what you consume, right? That's a, the that's a problem in our relational context now, right? People don't know how to deal with one another face to face, and again, come to church, why? Because it takes you out of just looking at church like another program you're watching, you know what I mean, to actually having to relate with real flesh and blood. To actually having to practice the fruit of the Holy Spirit rather than just meditating on it. But why are people so dysfunctional relationally right now? Because they can control their world. If I want to hear from you, I hear from you. If I don't, I don't. Can block you, can swipe right past you right? It's part of the control that people want in their world but what happens when you don't understand and Jesus is still saying follow me (laughs) we want to be like Martha who said you know what I still believe she fell at his feet Mary did whenever he called her in verse 32 and said Lord I've been disillusioned and disappointed but come and see where he is and even in his resurrection power as Messiah, Jesus, what does he do? Not only does he come looking for him in their pain, but he enters into their pain with weeping and anger over the effects of sin and death. Jesus enters into their pain and their weeping and anger over the effects of sin and death. You got to know that about Jesus. He's not just a concept. He is not just a philosophy. He is not just a morality to align yourself with. He is the living God, the maker of heaven and earth, and in your pain, he enters into it. You hear that? Jesus enters into your pain and weeps with you. But in the midst of entering into it, he also also calls them to believe and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He says in verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So one of the things that we often do nowadays is we just want to leave or come alongside people and not see them progress in the midst of their pain. And we counsel and counsel and counsel, but we don't disciple. Teaching people how to rise up out of the pain, meet Jesus in belief. But what Jesus does is he enters into the pain and challenges them to belief. He does both. And we see that the Jews, there is a mixed crowd of them. Those who saw Jesus' care and compassion and those who criticized him for not keeping Lazarus alive. The question is, is, in the midst of the issues in the world, which one are you going to be? The one who has eyes to see his care and compassion, or the one that criticizes him for not keeping Lazarus alive because he didn't do things the way you thought he should do it? After Lazarus was raised from the dead, some believed and others reported him to the Pharisees. You ever been around that in a church setting before, right? I used to believe, but now, you know, I have this issue with him, this issue with him, this issue with him. I'm done with him. Whether we see Jesus for his care and compassion or criticize him for what he didn't do, the question remains, what do you believe about him? What do you believe about him? Jesus is, in an uncharacteristic and demonstrative way, gives instructions to the crowd, prays publicly, and shouts loudly for Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And all of this was done, so as he said, I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus' resurrection power is a dividing line between those who believe and those who don't those who walk in the light or stumble in the darkness. You hear that? In the darkness, what will I do? Not just in the light, but what I don't see well in the darkness. I've got to learn to embrace Jesus as the resurrection and the life so that even if I see otherwise, Dead things around me, I'm putting my trust in Jesus to resurrect those dead things and bring dead things to life and not fall off the ship because I was disappointed in how he chose to do things. You hear this? But it wasn't just for the individual. ultimately, the resurrection power of Jesus doesn't end with just belief, but rather those who believe are called into participation in this life-restoring mission. This resurrection community is foreshadowed in Jesus calling the people to action. What do I mean by that? Jesus went to them and said, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? And through this question, Jesus caused Mary and the people to lead him to Lazarus. And the question is, how is Jesus asking us to not only meet him as the resurrection and the life, but also bring him into dead situations? He causes the people who would come to him to start participating in what he's doing. He said, bring me to where Lazarus is. That means you and me, if you've experienced the resurrection life of God, which I'm thankful I have. Have you? If you have too, he starts to ask you, where's the death around you? Show me where they're laid. Show me where they're laid, because it's ultimately not just for you, but it's for other dead things to come alive through my power as you bring me into their situation. And through this question, Jesus caused Mary and the people to lead him to Lazarus. Then he said this in verse 39. Take away the stone. Take away the stone. Now, if you're like me, I would have imagined Jesus just to speak and then boom, like a Marvel movie, right? <laughs> like a movie Marvel movie, boom, it would have obliterated that big stone that was covering the grave, bam, it's gone, right? Anybody else? I just went into the multiverse with David, man. I apologize. But what Jesus said is he commanded the people to do something hard that required faith. He asked the people to do something hard that required faith. He said, I want you to participate in the miracle that I'm going to do. Jesus was the one whose word brought Lazarus back to life. But how about this? Lazarus would have stayed behind that stone if the people didn't do what he said to do and move the stone so he could come out. Do you see this? Jesus could have done it all himself. And that's often what we're waiting for. Jesus, if you want to move, do it all yourself. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've given, I've done it all, God. Now do what only you can do. And he's like, you move the stone. I've called them to live, but you move the stone. And it might be heavy, it might be hard, but you need to come link arms together and move it together. It's going to require faith, but I'll help you to do it. And in addition, a decomposing man lied behind the rock, but it will take a community to obey God in doing the heavy and hard things, both physically and spiritually, in order to participate in his mission. When Lazarus came out, he was stinking. He stunk. Anybody have some food that remained in the fridge for a little bit too long? Maybe you need to go and clean it out this afternoon? Why? Because it stinks. Decomposing flesh stinks, right? And this Lazarus, who he told them to come out, he came out stinking. And he came wrapped up and bound. But what did Jesus say to do? I've spoken so that you might have resurrection life, but I'm telling you people to get next to him, next to the stink and start unwrapping him. Unbind him and let him go. Has anyone ever seen God move in somebody's life, but they weren't quite all together yet? And they had things in their lives that made you uncomfortable. They had things in their lives that weren't quite kosher yet. They had things in their lives that were, they might be in process, but they're not there yet. And you're like, you know what? I prefer not to. Because I have my good smelling friends over here. They've been out for a while. They're not decomposing. I'll just hang out with them. You know what I'm talking about. What's wrong with Lazarus here? His fall right? I prefer to be with my friends who aren't decomposing. But Jesus said, you go to Lazarus, who's dead, awkward, Unpleasant. Oh, thank God for that. I wouldn't have been here today if people weren't willing to go to awkward, unpleasant people. But they said, you know what, Rollin? I was telling somebody this the other day. I was like, listen, one of my first uh, mentors, one of the first things that he told me to help me, uh, like, get straight with God, I was just doing things as I normally did, had a lot of world on me. And I was like, but I believe in Jesus. And he said, Rollin, You are an embarrassment to the kingdom. (laughs) And I said, (coughs) I needed to hear that. Thank you. I'm going to put that thing that we were talking about away. You know what he was helping me do? Get the grave clothes off when he was dealing with how I was treating the opposite sex, when he was dealing with how I was spending my time, when he was dealing with, ultimately, how I was spending my resources, when he ultimately I became a father, and they kept dealing with me and said, listen, this is how you be a good father. Roland, you won't speak to your wife that way. All of a sudden, over and over again, they were unwrapping the grave clothes that held me bound and were causing me to stink. And that's what the community is of believers who've experienced God's resurrection power. And if the grave clothes have come off of you, you're God. You are called by God to go to the stink. Is that okay to say? You are called by God to go to the stink and help unwrap those who've been brought back to life. He says, You. Have experienced the resurrection miracle power of God, get unwrapped, and then go help unwrap others by faith in his resurrection life and his resurrection love. My question is where do you see that around you? Because it's not hard to find. <laughs> If you need some practice, start with me. I'm happy to happy to take a little input. Rowland, that part of you is just not cool. And I'm like, you're right. I don't mind. The Bible says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. It is like oil poured on my head. Come and strike me. I'm a big boy. but we'll do it for one another. And so we'll experience the miracle power of God. So, in conclusion, this is the point. This is the point. That Jesus, the glory of God, will be fully displayed when he raises from the dead all who have trusted in Jesus. And this great hope comforts the souls of all who wait on God to fulfill his promises. His promises are not just that he's going to one day bring eternal life to those who believe, but that he's bringing you into a community of faith that will help you experience his resurrection life. If you're not close enough for somebody to grab the uh, burial cloths that are holding you down, our exhortation to you is come further up and deeper in. You hear that? You hear that? If you're not close enough for somebody to say, hey, let me get that for you. I thank God for the people who tell me when I got raisins in my teeth. (laughs) Well, you might just want to, right there. If you're not close enough, come further up and deeper in so that we can fully experience the miracle working power and resurrection life of God who brings dead things to life in his mighty name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness towards each and every man and woman in here. And God, we pray that we would not be a people who are thrown off by the disappointments in life, but instead know that we can meet you even in the midst of them. God, we pray that we would see you as the resurrection and the life who's able to turn us from not only our sin but the effects of sin in our lives. And God, give us the hope of you bringing that which we have seen as dead to life again. But God, I pray that we'd not only draw near to you for that but draw near to one another that we might actually have the grave clothes removed. In Jesus' name, amen.